How's everybody doing? Good? Awesome. Glad you're here. Um, we're just going to start by opening in prayer, um, and I'm just going to kind of pray for what's going to come out through my mouth, my voice, and um, if you'll just kind of join with me in that. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for these people that are here, your children, God, that um, I just ask that your voice is the one that comes out of my mouth, God, that that Holy Spirit, you just take over, and everything you want to do, God, that that's what happens, and, and we're here for you, only you, God, in Jesus' name. So, um, this is going to be a simple message. Um, a lot of it is going to be stuff that um, I guarantee you've heard before, but... Um, Here's the thing, much of evangelism, right, um, today has zero follow-through. Here's what I mean by that. Because a lot of times evangelism goes to, um, at, for the goal of salvation, right? For the goal of those numbers, and then there's not really anything else. But what evangelism used to and has to lead by is the example of Jesus, right? And in that, the goal is discipleship, right? Evangelism for discipleship because we can't just let it go and expect spiritual babies to be okay without any milk, right? <laughs> we can't just expect them to learn to walk and learn to talk and, and learn to take care of themselves if there's no parent there to help them, right? And so um, this is going to be a discipleship-based message. Um, because um, you can't build a house without a foundation and a builder. And so I'm going to be here to help you kind of lay those bricks this morning. Is that okay? Yep. All right, cool. So I had a hard time figuring out what scripture I wanted to start with this morning because my uh, title is um, Let Love Flow. And as you know, uh, reading the Bible, there are tons of scripture that uh, center around love, Right. And so I have a good amount of scripture. Um, I'm not necessarily as scripture heavy as I usually am, um, but I'd love for you to follow along. My main bulk of the message is going to be 1 John 4. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. We might have it on the screen. Um, and we're going to start at verse 7. So 1 John 4, verse 7 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And you can stay there if you got your Bible um, open. We're going to come back to that and read a couple more verses as well. But I want to focus on verse 9 right now. It says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, John three sixteen, right? That we might live through him. But the word manifested in the Greek is phanero, and it means 
manifested or has been revealed. But it comes from the word phos, which is light. And so properly it means to illuminate, to make visible, to make plain, to make it in open view or to become apparent. So in this, the love of God was made visible. In this, the love of God was made apparent. In this, it also says here, the love of God was graspable. Okay, that God, John three sixteen. So love the world, they send his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, have everlasting life, right? The love of God was made apparent in that, okay? So here's the thing, you've heard Josh speak about this before, where, you know, when Jesus was baptized, he was raised up and God said, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. Well, Jesus did not live his life for that approval, Right? He lived his life from that approval. Jesus already knew he was the son of God. He already knew God was pleased in him. What was said was for the people in that area. It was not for him to hear. And it also goes back to Jewish history, if you look that up, um, that that was the, the age of 30 that was typical, that the father would say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. But Jesus did not live for that approval. He didn't need that. Jesus knew who he was. He lived from that approval, right? And so because the love of God was made graspable, it was made uh, for us to take hold of in this that Jesus was sent, um, that we are forgiven. We are able to take hold and live from these things. We are able to live from grace, not for grace. We are able to live from grace freedom, not for freedom, liberty, inheritance. We are not living to one day get the inheritance of God. We are living from the inheritance of God, who is Jesus Christ, who resides in this place inside of us. Okay. We are already living from that. We have to know that it is so important that we know that for our foundation, because if we do not know that we are living from Jesus, we are constantly going to try to seek approval elsewhere. And it's not going to happen. I read this thing by a pastor in California and it said, um, of all my years as pastoring or being in a role of leadership, I believe that, um, one of the things that needs to be taught in seminary classes, or in my opinion, any college, is um, that you will always disappoint people. It needs to be a class, how to disappoint people one-on-one, because it's okay if you disappoint people, right? Because you're not living for their approval, right? You're living from his, right? You're not living for anything. You're living from that, okay? All right? So other things, we are living from worth, okay? If you have not heard that before, that you are worthy and you are worthy of the life you are living and you are worthy of God and what he has for you, you need to hear that now. And I invite you to go back and listen to the message I spoke a while back that is worth uh, identity, worth and value. That's all about that because you are worthy, right? You have an identity. You're living from worth. You're living from identity as a child of God. You are living from the favor of God, not for it. You're living from hope. You're living from joy. You are living from peace. And we are able to live from love because he made that graspable by sending Jesus to forgive us of 
anything that could ever happen and ever did happen. So through Jesus, we are able to live our lives from love. Love is given by God and the love is residing in us. So 1 John 4, 12, further down, says, if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. There's nothing we have to do to perfect that love that is inside of us. It's already been put there and perfected because that's who Jesus is, right? It says God is love. So that love it's talking about that is in us, that is perfected in us, is God. It is Jesus. So um, I recently bought a uh, Prius vehicle. I've been wanting one kind of since college. Um, just looking at the statistics, if you've ever seen the statistics of a Prius in New York, uh, they can go like 600,000 miles as taxi cabs. That's the typical taxi cab in New York is a Toyota Prius because they just last so long. So I've been driving this Prius and I remember the first time that my gas tank was empty, um, I didn't realize it. I was just kind of driving, and I saw this blinking light on my dashboard, and I went, I had to Google where to find the distance to empty uh, meter, and so I found it, and it said line, line, miles, like it didn't have any number of how many miles till empty I would go, so uh, in Wilkesboro, there's like gas station maybe every 10 miles, so I, driving and praying, trying to get to a gas station, finally got there, filled it up. So then the next time, I think I've only filled this thing up three or four times, and I've had it four or five months. Um, so driving it again, notice the light's blinking, not paying any attention. Distance to empty says zero miles, so I'm rushing to a gas station. So it happened again this week, running an errand for a teacher friend in the middle of nowhere down Roaring River, uh, middle of nowhere in Wilkesboro, and there's no gas station to be found. And it, said, it says four miles. I was like, well, it's more than four miles to a gas station. So I'm watching it. It says two miles. And it says zero. So I pull into this Exxon gas station, and you have to pay with cash. Didn't know gas stations did that anymore. So I go in, pay with cash, and I said, I just need a dollar in my tank. Just a dollar to get me back. And so the lady puts a dollar uh, on the gas, and I, I'm able to fill up the Prius. So here's the thing, right? I'm driving this car without any concern of what fuels it, okay? Whether it's a good thing or not, I'm literally driving my Prius, not even thinking, okay, I have to fill up in 460 miles because to me that's so far away, I'm just going to forget anyway. So I'm driving down the road, not worrying about what's fueling this car. I just think I'm going to sit in, I'm going to press the brake, I'm going to push the start button, and it's going to come on, I'm going to be able to drive to work, right? Our bodies are supposed to be like this. Our lives are supposed to be like this. There is always something that fuels all of us. It could be different depending on our individual lives and our desires, etc., etc. But because of his sacrifice, it should be God and his love that fuels us. Are you with me? It's Jesus inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit guiding us. And according to 1 John 4, 12, it's the love abiding in us that is driving us, okay? That's 
fueling us. And we should be able to go through life without any concern of having to fill that up because it's already inside of us and it's never going to run out. Okay? Get all that from my little story there. So 1 John 4, 19, we're going further down. It says, we love because he first loved us. Some scriptures, so New King James, King James Version says, we love him because he first loved us. But really, if you look deeper and you look at New American Standard Version and other ones, it just says, we love because he first loved us, right? And yes, we do love him because he loved us, but there's more to that. So I looked up the word um, love. Now you have to know this first. He loves you. Okay, everybody say that. He loves me. God loves me. Jesus loves me, right? We have to know that he loves us. And listen, I stand by this 100%. I've shared it multiple times on social media. I have it written down on my phone, bookmarked just so I have it. But if the gospel of Jesus Christ does not reveal the inherent worth of humankind, we're telling it wrong. He loves you. If our gospel that we're telling does not tell everybody he loves you, you are worthy of that love, and he wants you to know that, then we're telling that gospel wrong. It's not good news. Anything other than he loves you is not good news. We're telling it wrong. So that should be our desire that he loves us. And so we love, we're living from that love. So the word love in that is agapomen or agapeo. It comes from agape. Well, agape comes from it, excuse me. And so this is what the Strong's Concordance and if you hear me say the Greek word means this, you're welcome to look it up. You can go and type in 1 John 4.19 in Google uh, Greek, and there'll be an interlinear translation. You do not have to take my word for any of this. I do not want you to, right? I want you to be able to look this up for yourself. So um, here's what the Strong's Concordance says. With the believer, agapeo, to love, means actively doing what the Lord prefers with him, by his power and his direction. So we do what the Lord prefers because he first loved us, right? That's what it says. So a side note is, in my honest opinion, this is the Greek version of the fear of the Lord um, is the beginning of wisdom or, you know, other places in the Old Testament, um, fear the Lord your God, Right? It's not necessarily asking you to, oh, it's God, ah, right? Because later in First John, it says perfect love casts out all fear, right? So if we're going through life fearing God, we're not really loving God, and therefore love's not manifesting and casting out all fear, and we got this crazy paradox that just makes no sense, and we're living a life of fear, right? But really what I think is, that the Greek word equivalent to that Hebrew word fear is actually this, agapeo, which is to love in so loving that we are actively doing what the Lord prefers. The beginning of wisdom is doing what God wants us to do, right? The beginning of wisdom is following his every step and moving in his power and his direction. So that's a side note. You can uh, go with that however you want. So we are not doing this alone. We are by his power and by his direction. But it's important that we are still loving, right? Yeah. 
We have to love. It's so important. If you get anything from that, it's God loves you, and we have to love in return, right? So um, the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance continues to say for this word, 1 John 4, 8, 16, and 17, for example. So I've read a few of those. Convey how loving is Christ living his life through the believer. It's used often in the first epistle of John of the love of Christians should have toward one another. So that's why I said, typically it says we love him because he first loved us. Well, this word right here is typically used in how we should love one another. So we love, period, because he first loved us. Um, and it all comes from how he has exhibited um, love by sending his son um, to Christians, to us, to everyone, to children of God, by giving him up to death. We good? Everybody still with me? All right, we're going to move on to another scripture. You've heard this one before, um, and you might have it by heart, but memorized by heart, but this is Mark 12, 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. Could you imagine telling Jesus, you didn't say that right? Like, I just find it interesting. They put this here. Well said, teacher. What was he going to say? Really? That's what you said? Anyway. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other, built, no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. All right. So the greatest commandment, right? A life without love is religion, okay? A life without love is just living in a religious lifestyle. So what Jesus gave here was not a law that was meant to bind us, right? When we hear commandment, we think of the Ten Commandments, and later Paul talks about the Ten Commandments as kind of like this uh, slavery, right, that they were in, that they, they had to do, but all it really did was reveal their faults, okay? But um, this law... This commandment that Jesus gives is not a law that is meant to bind us and to show us our faults, but instead it's, it's an example of how he wants us to live because that's how he's living. And if we're to be Christ-like, then we need to live like that. And so Jesus is going through life, loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving his neighbor as himself. And so if we're to have a Christ-like life, we need to live like Christ, right? And so this, he's saying, this is how I live. You want to do this, this is how I live, right? So a life without love is religion. And so this is the most important commandment, the way we should live our life and to have life and how to live as Jesus did. 
Without love, the true word, which is Jesus, not the Bible, right? The true living word. So without love, the true word is not made manifest. For the living word is God and God is love. Without love, you just have a dead religion. No God, no living word, nothing that's actually going to bring life. All right, so when I was um, meditating and spending time with God and thinking about what um, I was going to speak on, um, I knew I was going to talk about the from, not for stuff, and I had talked to Josh about that before and um, how important that was to understand. Um, but um, the scripture came to mind about love, and it's 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, so powerful. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Not I have nothing. I am nothing, right? No life. I'm dead. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, much like a martyr or a sacrifice, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So that first verse, right, it's so powerful. If I don't have love, I'm just this sounding gong. And so when I, I kind of had this verse ruminating in my head and I was thinking about over and over again, I was like, that sounds a lot like something else I've heard before, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I knew I really wanted to hit this hard, okay? So I said before it was like this simple message, right? And so that first stuff was kind of the foundation. I want to get into something you might not have heard before. And it may challenge us a little bit. I told Katie last night, my wife, what um, I was going to talk about. She said, oh, you're hitting them hard on Sunday. So hopefully you, you'll um, see the good out of it. But... Um, so what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Um, God is love, right? What is love? God is love. And here's what love looks like. So I believe this is still from 1 Corinthians 13. And you've heard this probably at weddings, everything else, right? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all thing, things. Love never ends. So what is love? Right there, right? God is love. What does it look like for us? This is an example of what love looks like, looks like for us. If you need uh, to know how to gauge yourself, if you're living in love after today, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Write it down, highlight it, mark through it, put X's that you're not doing that correctly because I'm reading this. I'm like, hmm, patient, nope, rude. Hmm. So with me on that. Okay. So it's interesting, and um, when, when I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 13, 
I, did, I hadn't looked through the Greek. I usually don't look at the Greek translations and the Hebrew translations until um, later when I know I'm going to speak or I really need that um, proof, I guess, of what I'm hearing. Because when I'm hearing from God, so we'll just talk about this for a minute. When, I'm, when I say I am heard this from God, it's not usually an audible voice like, you know, speaking through earpieces, right, for me, um, and that would be awesome. Christian, you should speak about this. That's not usually what it is. Usually, for me, it's like kind of, a lot of times it's in inopportune times when I can't write stuff down he's saying, so I'm trying to repeat it to myself over and over again before I can get to the point of writing it down, because usually I'm driving in the car, listening to music, the song comes on, like, listening to the song, and then he starts talking to me, through my thoughts, right, through my mind of, well, this is what this really means, and this is the scripture that's going through, or and there used to be this commercial. I wish I could find it because I, I talk about this commercial probably once a week, but there used to be this commercial where it was this guy, and he had all these ideas, and um, it showed him um, inventing stuff and all this stuff, and then it panned back, and he's in the shower and he's washing his hair and it's a hotel commercial. We have the best showers for your ideas. I'm like, yes, I get all my good ideas in the shower, right? God talks to me most of the time when I'm in the shower. And so I can't write it down. Um, and so I'm having to talk to myself. So when I say that God told me this, it's not this audible voice, but it's through my thoughts. It's through the things that I'm thinking. And so sometimes if it's a little far-fetched for me, I, I need a little bit of that proof. And so that's why a lot of times I go to the Greek. So when I looked at the uh, word for love in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the same word as the word love in 1 John. So it is also agape love, which is different than philo love, philo Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. So friendship. Philo is this friendship love. Agape love is different than that. It is like this, um, this godly love, right? And so agapeo is the same word that uh, we're using here. But strong, uh, Strong's Concordance talks about this word and describes it as saying it Okay, so indignation, it didn't like that word, I guess, and it just cut out on me. So it, it's anger, right? But it's righteous anger. So this agape love actually kind of comes from a place of righteous anger, okay? And so it says, this is to love, and it is in a social or moral sense, okay? It's not just that I'm going around life and I'm... You know, oh, I love life, I love everything, I love my wife, and I love my family, and you look kind, so I love you. It's not like that. It's, it's this moral sense that what I'm going to do right 
uh, what I'm going to do comes from love, right? It comes from doing what God wants me to do. It's the social and moral sense of love. You with me? So this brings us to the Old Testament in Amos 5. So Amos, Amos 5's connection to uh, 1 Corinthians is, in my opinion, really remarkable. Um, but first, we might need to ask ourselves, who is Amos? So I took an Old Testament prophets class in college, um, wished I would not have taken it my freshman year because I did not take it seriously. Um, but my uh, professor was amazing, and one of her favorite um, prophets was Amos. And so we spent a lot of time in Amos during that class, and this, these verses were very... Um, kind of hammered into my skull, right, during that class. Um, and so this is who Amos is. Amos made clear in his writings that he did not come from a family of prophets, nor did he even consider himself one. Rather, he was a grower of sycamore figs as well as a shepherd. That comes from Amos 7. Amos's connection to the simple life of the people made its way into the center of his prophecies as he showed a heart for the oppressed and the voiceless in the world. God's word through Amos was directed against the privileged people of Israel, a people who had no love for their neighbor, who took advantage of others, and who only looked out for their own concerns. So this was a time when... Um, Israel was kind of falling into idolatry, but they were also um, doing okay. They weren't struggling financially or slavery or any of that stuff, but they were taking advantage of their place as Israel, right? They were living a life, still doing church on Sundays, right? Still doing Wednesday night Bible studies, but they weren't actually doing the things that God wanted them to do, right? I, I want you to hear that again. They were doing church on Sundays. In that time, obviously, it's different. They were doing church on Sundays. They were doing Bible study on Wednesdays, but they were not doing what God wanted them to do. Okay. So, I want you to think about what I mentioned today. And I want you to look just in this description of who Amos was. Look how love was disregarded by the ones that Amos spoke to. I want you to also remember that he did not consider himself a prophet. Instead, he championed love over the title of prophet. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13.2. What does it say? And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, but have not love, I am nothing. So he did not consider himself a prophet, although we do. He was a minor prophet, right? He was a prophet speaking the word of God, but didn't consider himself a prophet because his concern was love, right? 1 Corinthians 13. All right. So Amos 5, verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. 
Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So verse 23, I hate. That's really strong, right? I hate. But verse 23, here's what it says. Um, Excuse me, 22. Though you offer me burnt offerings of sacrifices and um, grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings. Yeah, 23. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. 1 Corinthians 13 again. Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have not love, I have become a noisy song. Everything I do is nothing but a noisy song. Verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear that. Why? Because they did not have love. They disregarded everybody around them that was less fortunate than them, and they only did this for a show. There's, a, If you know the band Switchfoot, the, the um, lead singer, I think, um, John Foreman, he has a lot of solo albums and songs, and he has this one called Instead of a Show. And the verses to this are basically word for word from this portion of Amos, where it's um, take away all this noise, take away all your Sunday gatherings, take away everything that you're doing that you think pleases me because you're living for my approval. But instead, you need to let justice flow and let love roll down like a river, right? So I'm not taking away um, the words justice and, um, what's my other one here? Um, righteousness. But I, I want you to consider that this agapeo love is one of the most important things that is missing in this. That when we reread this in thinking of take away your clanging cymbals, take away your um, sounding brass, and instead let love, let agapeo love, let this social and moral love flow down, that this is what Amos was talking about. And when we read a lot of Amos, it sounds a lot like the church okay now i'm not talking about specific church places although i could name some that fit this description that's not what i'm talking about because the church is supposed to be a body of people right not a building filled with people and so i'm not pointing out that true vine worship center really is all in Amos, and this is who they are, and this is what Amos is talking about. No, I'm not talking about that. But we need to consider, are we, that part of the church, we, me too, that part of the church that is forsaking agapeo love, and instead just trying to have these cool worship nights or these times where we're feeling really good and we got the holy goose pimples and whatever else, right? Is that what we're living for? 
when instead we should be living from the love of God. Because when we live from the love of God and we come and we worship a lot like you saw this morning, then there is going to be a change in the world. There is going to be love flowing down. But when we don't have that agapeo love inside of us and we go and we worship at these nights, I hear God saying, instead of that show, here's really what I want. I hate, I despise when you go and you do that with your skinny jeans and you just want to look good with that song, right? That's not what it's about. Where is the love? So we have to let the social, life-giving love be what drives us. Otherwise, not only are we failing to live by the greatest commandment, but we are not being Christ-like. And that's what Christianity is supposed to be, right? Living a life of Christ, a life filled with love, a life that is pursuing the love of neighbor, pursuing the love of one another in a social and moral sense. If we're going to the hospital and we know that our God is life-giving, but we're not there to lay our hands on that person, we're not necessarily living out of an agapeo love sense. Right, Josh? But if we don't see it, does that mean that love is not powerful? I want you to think about that. If we're not seeing this stuff manifest, does that mean love is not powerful? Or did Josh just plant a seed? that's going to grow and get rid of those tumors and lesions, right? I want you to think about that. Because a lot of times we're trying to live life to see these things happen. And while that's great and everything, we're still living for something. We need to live life from the love of God and from the miracles of God and from our testimony of God because otherwise we are going to be disappointed because I can pray for any one of you in here and expect a miracle, but I need to be okay with myself that I may not see it. You might have to go to the doctor and get those x-rays and have proof for yourself. And I might not ever know that that actually happened and that God came through for you in that moment. But what's important to me is that I did what my God wanted me to do, that I was living through through the love of God, and I was pursuing that, okay? This is where true worship and revival ignites. In this, our minds are renewed, our lives and our families are made whole, Judgments leave, because in love there is no judgment. And those around us are attracted to the love-filled joy that we carry. It's so important that we know how much he loves us so that we can live from that, right? And it's so important to know where we stand so that we can live from that. So I want you to stand up. Or if you can't, that's fine. Just put some hands up. And I want you to receive this this morning. Because 
there's nothing magical I can say to put this agapeo love inside of you. You know what First John says? That when we love, it is a love that abides and is perfected in us. So really, it's just kind of us accepting that it's already there and being okay with that. Right? He's not forceful. He's not going to force his way inside of us. But we are the vessels. And when we open up that lid, he's going to fill us up. So, Father, we receive your love. And remind us that we are not living for that love, that we are not living for your approval or the approval of man or anything like that, that you gave us your grace, God, and we are able to live from that. You gave us our testimony, and we are able to live from that, and you gave us your love, God, and out of that will flow a river of justice and righteousness, and out of that, we believe, will flow mercy, God, and will flow healing, and will flow all of that, because we are living from the desire of your heart. We are living from everything you want us to do, God. Tell us where to move. Tell us where to go. Tell us what to say and what to do, God. And let us listen because you are the most important thing in our lives, God. And we receive your love in your holy name and authority. Guys, um, I just hear this strongly because we've talked about healing and we've talked about that flowing out of this love. And I, I'm just feeling like this is a time to um, to break off some chains and shackles. Is that okay? So if, if there is any um, lower back pain, maybe the left hip, it could be right side, doesn't really matter. Um, got some hip trouble. Um, if you'll come forward, our leadership team, if you don't want us to lay hands on you, that's fine. Um, but we're going to pray for you. Um, so lower back pain, left hip. Exhaustion. If you're just tired, you don't have to come up because I know a lot of us are just tired. But you just have that constant exhaustion that you just can't get rid of. Um, you can put your hands up. You can come over. You can just say, God, take this from me, whatever you want to do. Um, I get some leadership up here. And I'm hearing that there uh, is one or two closed wombs in here that God wants to open back up. And uh, maybe you've been wanting a child for a long time. And maybe the doctors have told you that that's not going to happen. Um, God, you know, doesn't say that's not going to happen. He says nothing is impossible with me. So if you are in that closed womb, you just can't have a child. Um, we're going to take that can't and move it away. that exhaustion, depression, cloud of depression, if you are um, living your life with that cloud laying over you, um, you don't want to get up, you don't know what to do, and anything else that was not called out, God is not limited by what I say.
God is holy and all-powerful. And if you are in pain, He does not want you to be. Feel free to come forward. I want to thank you guys for listening. Just kind of meditate and soak in this. If you need to go, feel free to leave. Um, Thank you guys for coming.